Hi, Love Leaders. It's Dr. Shannon Roberts, your host for the Love Leading Podcast, where we discuss how to create connection in your most important relationship that God designed, bringing health and sometimes healing while deepening intimacy. Welcome to the show. Welcome, love leaders, to the Love Leading with Dr. Shannon podcast. We have such an exciting program scheduled for you today. Um, we have with us a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified sex therapist, who specifically is in training, uh, has been trained in the internal family systems therapy intervention. And she is the founder of the Tampa Bay Center for Sexual and Relational Healing. So join with me in welcoming Kimberly Lee. Thank you for coming, Kimberly. Thank you for having me, Shannon. It's so nice to be here. Absolutely. So, wow. I mean, we've got this spiritual sex therapist with us, the expertise professional. That's a unique, very unique niche. How did you get into this? Oh my gosh. Such a great question. Um, <laughs> I, when I was living in Tampa, um, oh, so long ago, I, you know, after a series of events of friends that were struggling with their sexual identity and struggling with their faith, um, I felt that there, there had to be some better way for us to assist these folks better in the church, other than just say you're wrong and leave. Oh gosh. And so I found an institute in Atlanta called the Institute for Sexual Wholeness that is the only certifying body for Christian sex therapy in the world. And I say, I said, yes, let me sign up for that. Oh my gosh, there's only one. There's only I, one. That is, that is uh, unique. Good for you. I love that you have carved out this really safe environment for this unique population of people. Right. And, yeah. and it's just not needed for that population. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the church has, could be doing a better job. Christians could be doing a better job. Evangelicals could be doing a better job of really interpreting what God's intention for sex is. And oh my gosh. Yes. You are opening up a can of worms. I'm going to tell you. So yeah, let's just, <laughs> let's just dive in right there, right? Right. right. <laughs> Let, let's just go right to the juggler. You know, from what, you know, biblical principles teach, you know, God is the creator of sexual um, intimacy. Um, and he meant for it for good and he meant it to be beautiful. And it, and Rightfully so. It's, it's not just a physical kind of experience. It's a spiritual kind of experience, right? And um, oh my goodness. And it is least talked about in the, you know, the church setting. Now, now don't get me wrong. There are some really, really healthy churches out there that tackle this head on. But for the most part, a lot of the couples that I'm sure you and I both work with, you know, don't come in thinking that they have a really healthy understanding about, about what real sexual health looks like in, in a, in the context of marriage. Right. So um, we could go on so many different tangents right here, but 
let's just start with the institution of church. You you mentioned there's kind of like this stigma or maybe this hushness about it. Can you speak to that? You know, I think what happened in the church is that we saw sex as only a function mm. and not a part of who we were. Mm-hmm. Also with that, what, what became something that is healthy, sexual functioning being something that's private, right? Being something that sexual intercourse, sexual relationship happening between a man and woman in marriage, as the Bible has stated, has become then shameful, right? It, it went from what should be private in our function has become secret, has become shameful in our sexuality and totality. So I think we made huge leaps that went from something that was private to something that was shameful and then took the functioning of our sexuality and made it a, the, the sexual act about who we are as a sexual being and shut everything down. Oh gosh. Oh my goodness. You are speaking it. Yes. I have couples that walk in and you, you and I both uniquely do work not only outside of the realm of faith-based couples, but also, you know, specifically to faith-based couples. And they do come in with, you know, this area of their relationship, extremely broken. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should start the discussion. Um, the discussion with what is then if it's if it's this beautiful thing that God you know ordained designed created as a gift and we got to this other place somehow um, what is sexual health in a marriage how would you how would you define that well I think sexual health in a marriage starts with sexual health of the child I don't think you can separate those two. Now you can create, if you have a sexually unhealthy childhood or you're, you somehow um, foreclose on the fact that we're sexual beings. And then, you know, you know, the drill, you get married, you put a ring on it and Hey, magic happens, right? I right. become open to my sexual being. So right. we know that pure purity culture, and we can talk more about that has has made, made it very difficult, but has helped us in our own careers, right? We get more clients being in this realm (laughs) because of what the purity culture has done. Yeah. But again, it's that this idea that our sexuality is private has taken that to mean I shut it down. I don't talk about it. It's a sin. Instead of putting that on the sexual functioning being something that is private and then I wait for it till marriage. So what does, what am I saying? That means we talk about it, parent to child. Mm. We, we use the language about our genitals, our anatomy, it's mm-hmm. functioning. We mm-hmm. teach about it. Mm-hmm. And then we teach about get God's design for it. Mm-hmm. All we ever teach our kids is it's wrong until marriage and that's it. And mm-hmm. we don't see mommy and daddy talking about it or relating sexually. Right. right? I'm saying kids should be watching their parents have sex, but they should be <laughs> right. watching the courtship and they should be hearing and understanding what mommy and daddy's sexuality is. I delight Mm -hmm. in my husband. My husband delights in me, right? Desire, romance, courtship, relationship, and what that affection, open affection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So it starts in childhood. And then as we are moving in, um, we carry in kind of those 
either overt or covert messages that, you know, we have been taught or caught. <laughs> um, and then what? I mean, because if we're really not in this kind of, of an open environment and it is kind of done in secret, we're always left thinking, what's normal? What what's healthy? What's right? How would how would we know? How would we know that things are well and good and 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 um, purposeful in that sexual relationship in our marriage? Oh, that is a really good question. <laughs> and it's very deep, but peace, right? I, I mean, if you're living in the fruits of the spirit, if you're experiencing peace and joy and, and compassion and um, gentleness, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, mm-hmm. kindness, all of those good things. And that is a part and a fruit of your sexual life there. It's imbalance, right? right. That's, a, that's a really easy way mm-hmm. around that question. Yeah. But I think, Shannon, one of the things that I think the church and even well-meaning experts in this field who write books on the subject who may not be into the science or the psychology of sex therapy and the problems with sex, they say things that are well-meaning, but I don't think they're getting it right. And here's one of the main issues that I have. And I heard this today, so I'm a little bit riled up. (laughs) Oh, girl. (laughs) And need sex to feel emotional connected. Okay. Yes. And women need emotional connection to feel um, ready for sex. So is that's the, that's the cycle, right? It's not, I don't believe it's God's intention, nor is it scientifically psychologically sound statement. Mm, Tell me more. Okay. Well, we know about attachment, right? Oh, absolutely. I was just thinking about this today. At what point, if we understand that there is no difference technically between a male or a female in attachment, right? We all need our mother's love. We all need attunement. We all need affirmation, validation, touch. And we need our we need to be seen and our needs met, right? And then security, it can be developed over time that the child is taught to do that for himself. That's emotional connection and security. That's how our brain actually develops from that safe and secure co-regulation of a primary caretaker, right? Correct. So Mm -hmm. at what point does that become sexualized in the male? Mm. At what point did we start saying that men are not emotional creatures? And I hear that a lot, even in in well-meaning experts in the church Well, they're not emotional as women are. You know what? It's because we haven't allowed them to be. Mm. We haven't, our culture hasn't developed it. We haven't haven't, um, condoned it in all circumstances. Women equally, and I know you see this too. There are women who are shut down and avoidant because of issues that have happened in their life. Attachment doesn't differ on gender, Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, and I, and I get this, right. That men's sexual desire or arousal, which is a starter with testosterone because they have a lot more than we do Correct. is more intense, more prevalent, and always on the ready. I get that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But that it doesn't mean that that has to be always used. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that then we create a new relationship and a new attachment because men hasn't have intense sexual desire. 
Right, right. Yeah. When we start diving in deeper um, with my couples and we map even their sexual cycle, I mean, we when we really kind of start on un, unlayering un, un the onion, men equally say, you know, I I really don't want to have sex with my wife for sex sake. You know, I don't want the duty sex, the obligatory sex. I want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when men have it reflected to them that they deserve to be have freedom in their emotional life Mm. and they deserve to have their pain met with the same kind of compassion, reflection, and attention that are given to women. Mm -hmm. I've had men weep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for that permission Mm -hmm. to To show up vulnerable and let that, that Mm -hmm. cultural guard down. Correct. Yeah. 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 And something else to add to that, Science and, and my, my training in sex addiction, right? And, and in that field of addiction research around sex, mm-hmm. they're showing the problem behaviors that come from that belief, I need sex to be emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. That fuels, right? This drive mm-hmm. that you have to have sex with me, wife, in order for me to feel complete, mm-hmm. which fuels a compulsion. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that is the way I'm only going to get my need met. Mm-hmm. Right. And with, I'm not, you know, anything else is secondary, right? Just sex is my greatest need. And that becomes problematic and can become addictive. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And we are uh, in crisis when it comes to, you know, the, the different avenues that we seek down sexually to meet those needs um, outside of the context of what the beautiful design is for sure, for sure. So I, 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 when my couples say, well, what is normal? What, and, and, and I always, I love the word that you said, and if I could go back to it, peace, mm-hmm. you know, um, sex can be a very deepening of experience of intimacy of, of the knowing. And, um, it, it can also be a renewal system, you know, in, in the marriage in that there might be outside stressors pushing in to the relationship and there might be internal, um, you know, challenges within the relationship in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes the sun and the moon, and the stars don't always line up to make it perfect conditions to um, be known sexually from our partner. But those couples that have the ability to incorporate it as a, a renewal system, it, it brings them closer. It reduces stress and it changes those negative sentiment, um, you know, stories we tell ourselves about our, our partner. So I think the sexual definition, I don't know, um, of, of, of a functional, um, healthy marriage is that it brings you closer and you feel more at peace with one another. And there is a deepening level of knowing of one another. I don't know. Can you add to that? Well, it it goes back to Shannon, this idea that our sexual self was never fully appreciated, right? Mm -hmm. We live in so many different systems that don't allow for it. And even in, in our culture today, outside of the church, there is this, there is this, um, fear around expression of our sexuality. 
and what that means and, and fear about how I come across as a, as a, as a, a female or with a male or vice versa. And I think the, the wholeness in the marriage comes that you were talking about that deepening that my sexual self is fully appreciated something that I've held so private and so, and at times has had so much shame. I can give this part fully over to you parts that were, you know, my genitals parts that I've been ashamed of parts that have been off limits, rightly so, but you accept them, you appreciate them in a new way right? Mm. And it's deepening our relationship, right? So things that are hidden and private and have times have been shameful are fully accepted and enjoyed, right? Mm. So that becomes the wholeness in marriage that I, that my sexual self gets also opened up to you, right? right. So that creates this, wow, well, you're just not like a roommate. And I know you hear that a lot in, in marriage therapy, I right? Do. I do. Roommates, right? Because this is that specialness that makes our marriage unique. Mm-hmm. Right, that we from any other relationship on the planet, correct? Yes, yes, it is the differentiator for sure. This episode of the Love Leading Podcast is sponsored by the Marriage Momentum Program, a virtual experience of working live with Dr. Shannon, allowing you to choose the expertise you desire from anywhere you live. Through her warmth and professionalism, Dr. Shannon will lead you on your path from pain to healing, conflict to connection, and giving you the tools to communication that lead to the intimacy you are designed for. It is chocked full of additional resources, such as videos and curriculum, that give you the comprehensive care that gets you the momentum results that other standalone 50-minute sessions cannot, all from the comfort and convenience of your own home. For more information, go to shannonrobertscounseling.com. Schedule your free 30-minute consultation today to discuss how you too can start your path back to each other. Enjoy the rest of the show. So, gosh, um, here's the age-old question. What does a sex therapist do? What can, what can a couple expect? I mean, I, yes, there are elements um, of this sexual module that I, um, you know, I have to incorporate into the practice of marriage counseling, but specifically when people run into, you know, a little bit more of a crisis and need a little bit more um, expertise to help, what could they expect when they come to see you, Kimberly? <laughs> oh, great question. Well, I when I first started out, I would be the person giving the um, the twenty page assessment, ask <laughs> tell me all of your sexual, you know, fantasies, your everything that's happened to you sexually, <laughs> and that is kind of a standard in some practices. But I've learned that that you need to earn that kind of trust to get that information. Mm, right. right. Um, what's also really interesting, and what I love about what I do is not one client is the same, right? right? There are some couples that'll come to me specifically because they're having problems in their, with their sex life. And we won't even get to talk about sex for the first year. Yeah. Right. Because what I can, Um, it's on the very end of my, my um, program. So yeah. Right. right. There, I mean, there's so many other things that have to get worked out. So you, it's fun to be in this role because there is a lot of sleuthing. 
right? Mm-hmm. Trying to determine, okay, from the education that I have, I can confidently say this is a physical issue, right? This is a mental issue. This is a medical issue, right? So part of my job too, is that I do get to work with medical professionals mm-hmm. and get to know and, and to refer, right? Right. Um, especially pelvic floor therapists. And a lot of women don't know these exist, but if there is yeah. issues with vaginismus or issues with pain, for sure, I'm not touching that until they have they're been looked over, right. To see if right. there's anything physiological or medical going on Correct. to ensure that the work that we do, we don't want to start doing couples work then, and, and there'd be a medical issue that we're not aware of. So right, right, right. that can, that's also a unique part of the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. Um, so um, I love that I heard you say, we don't just die right in. It's a slow warm, right? <laughs> so that's, that's good to know. Yeah. And you mentioned vaginismus. I mean, listen, I was, I'm doing a whole lot of, of reading recently and there's so much, um, you know, this word verbiage and um, research and, you know, journal articles and, you know, it's common for us to hear and, and even see, you know, commercials on erectile dysfunction, but we, this is kind of this new kind of thing that it has been around for years, but we're just now coming to the table with, hey, this is a real issue. This is a problem. This is not just in your head, this vaginismus thing. So um, interesting that we're getting a little bit more open and the conversations with women from women who, you know, is like, well, I, I guess it's just me. I, I guess I'm having all this pain. Mm. Um, and so they don't really come forward with this information and they kind of suffer in silence because, uh, like men who are not supposed to be these, um, like emotional, you know, beings, women are taught that, especially in the realm of Christians, women aren't supposed to be overtly sexual either. So I don't know. Can you speak to that? Yeah. And let me add, um, that doctors, when, when these women are having difficulty, go to see their doctors or their OBGYNs and they're told things like, oh, once you're married, you'll be fine. Have a glass of wine, loosen yeah. up. Right. Right. And that doesn't even begin to describe the relationship that a lot of women have with their vagina, which is very mysterious to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it, it does become quite a, um, a shameful topic for mm-hmm. a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, you're right. Nobody's talking about it. And the real reason why you're not hearing anything about it, right. Is there's not any pharmaceutical money <laughs> to fix the problems. If there's no pharmaceutical money to fix the problem, you're not getting a commercial and you're not hearing about it. Right. Correct. Right. Right. So in a sense, right. They, it, and, and just to go into what vaginismus is, is a tightening of the, uh, an, in, an uncontrollable tightening of the vaginal wall that, that keeps, um, uh, that keeps penetration from happening mm-hmm. when it, when it's desired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of the confusion and, and, and some, some women can easily get resolved from learning and getting education of, that they do have control over their vaginal muscle. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times women don't realize that that control is related to their anxiety. Right. 
right? That, that if they were in a relaxed state, and I think that was where the wine comment came from a lot of, a lot of OBGYNs who, by the way, don't get that much sexual training. I think (laughs) I heard something like six week course. Oh, wow. In sexual, yeah. Sexual training. But, um, the pain comes when the vaginal wall is tightened and the penis is trying to enter in and they're feeling the, they're feeling the, the pain from the entry, right? Because the mm-hmm. entry is getting closed because the, t- the body is tensing and the vaginal wall is mm-hmm. restricting. Which is a lot of times a very natural biological response to either a, an event or an experience that mm-hmm. they don't want to have repeated, right? So um, a lot of times women will come in and for me, we'll talk about having a very healthy um, sexual relationship and maybe after childbirth or, you know, something Mm -hmm. that, you know, this becomes more problematic. And so it's a natural response, a pain response from the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and there can also be other issues at play, which is why it's very helpful to get the assessment and work Mm -hmm. with the pelvic floor therapist. Oftentimes there's just some lengthening, some stretching, Mm -hmm. um, that can be done. And, and there's, there, there could be a a variety of factors that could be contributing to that tensing, tensing up, um, whether you you've talked about too sexual abuse, right. Mm -hmm. Also it serves as control. It can Mm -hmm. serve as control in the marriage. Yeah. And that's where the, the whole internal family systems kind of, you know, step in to, you know, map that out and understand the meaning behind. Right. For sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. These are some good discussions. So there's the, those are a couple of the dysfunctions. Um, what other kinds of dysfunctions do you, do you see and address inside, um, sex therapy and, and those kinds of things? Yeah. Um, well, typically it's going to be communication and shame, right? Emotional upset related to the, the, the frequency of sexual activity, um, relational problems as it relates to frequency of sexual intimacy or things that happen during the sexual activity is shaming to one person or other. So there's just a lot of pain around sexual functioning just because there's no way of work through no way for the couple to be able to have the ability to work through in a very curious environment that feels safe, right? I mean, it's been done before with healthy people, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that should, that can happen. I wouldn't say you definitely always need a sex therapist to be sexually healthy, but it does help, right? You have a mediator. And I think what's valuable with having a sex therapist is we can say with certainty what is normal and what is not normal because mm-hmm. we've researched it. We've done the the training mm-hmm. on it, right? Mm-hmm. Things right. like, hey, you, you know, it's really abnormal if you ever do orgasm together. Hollywood would teach you that that is a goal and that Absolutely. And it would be really random and rare if that ever did happen. So never really aim for that. Right. Or, I mean, even an ad, another added layer, it, you know, um, orgasm isn't always just necessarily the goal because mm. it doesn't happen every time, but on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This idea of which I love Shannon is good enough sex right? Mm -hmm. If our sexual relationship in a healthy marriage is about connecting, right? The product of an emotional connection Mm -hmm. and we are deepening and bonding. Does Mm -hmm. the orgasm, is the orgasm the cherry on top or is it the whole ice cream? 
Correct. Oh, yeah. And we're not talking about that at all, especially in the rom-com movies of Hollywood, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I think one of the biggest um, pieces of information that really help de-shame couples Mm -hmm. is, hey, by the way, women's sexual arousal and men's sexual arousal, they're on two different planets, literally, right? That a woman is not pursuing often, right? Mm -hmm. Or that she's not always appearing to have what we call a libidinal energy that is ready to go is absolutely the way God made her, Mm -hmm. right? Women's sexual arousal relates to the hormones that she have makes her a receptive sexual desire. Yes. Yes. And that's a lot of times the, the men will, I just don't feel desired. I want her to initiate and um, just beginning the process of just explaining that, you know, um, male gender because of this testosterone have more of a spontaneity arousal system. They, they do think about sex a little bit more often than females. And uh, the women's arousal system is more of a responsive arousal system. So um, that that's a, that's a really, if you think about it, a very healthy, um, you know, combo. Now, can it be the other way around? Yeah, absolutely. But that doesn't necessarily mean the desire is not there. Correct. Right. And then knowing too, that desire is a choice so that a woman who's waiting for her testosterone, like libidinal energy, she's going to be waiting a long time, except (laughs) around her menstrual cycle, um, has to choose to lean into and allow for those feelings, thoughts, memories, and experience to flood her before she can, right. Get that good feeling. And men that will take 10 to 15 minutes of foreplay. Mm-hmm. On top of clearing her plate, meaning, right, she, she's got to make sure the kids are in bed or they're not listening or that all of all of the things causing her anxieties are, are, are set aside. Yeah, because we're multitaskers. We are in our heads a lot. But that is the biggest sex organ for women, right, is just this mind, this b- ability to just drop into the present moment. Um, to allow the sight, sound, smell, taste, touch senses to really kick that arousal system in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it takes work, right? So that's why it's so hard for us to be spontaneous, because if we really want to achieve orgasm, have pleasure or have a really good experience, it does take some mental mindful energy to get get those parts in a sense to step aside those ones that are carrying all of the load and anxieties of our day and our moment and our vulnerabilities, let alone the stuff from the past and what our beliefs about sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So unique to you started talking about this arousal system. Um, and I have something that I feel is kind of unique to, um, maybe Christian couples, especially um, the more conservative Christian couples that really did try to postpone intimacy, sexual intimacy until after marriage. A, a lot of times they come in and they will say, gosh, it was so hard when we were dating uh, that, it, you know, we just couldn't keep our hands off each other. And, um, you know, we just couldn't wait for the day. And, you know, sometimes even we would cross the line and that's so you know, and, and we, you know, walked in grace with that and whatever, but then they tell me after the, after the wedding, like automatically the switch is supposed to flip on and sex was going to be this 
supreme ultimate experience that they have postponed and waited for and said it was going to be like magic right and then they um come in saying um we it's not working Mm -hmm. and so i asked them you know well how long did you like engage in this like uh you know you know, passionate kissing and, you know, um, heavy petting and fondling. And, and then you knew that at some point you're going to cut this off. And yes, you cut it off right at the point where you're going to hopefully cross the line or not. And then all of a sudden marriage, you know, it's like you go straight to the chase. Let's, let's, let's have sex. And you left out the, the ramp up or the, the mm. crock, the crock pot warming. <laughs> exactly. And they choose to do it on the most stressful day of their life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because it's expected. <laughs> I, I feel like the newer, the younger cultures are getting the message. Don't expect the honeymoon on the wedding night. There's a true mm. story, right? Like uh, you yeah. might even need to wait till you're in Mexico a few days, get settled in and then. <laughs> Exactly. Or not forget the, you know, the, the slow build, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a good point, Shannon, like when all you had for connect for, for sexual arousal and physical connection was the ramp up and then you go into marriage and you're not ramping up at all. Right. Mm -hmm. It, 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 you, you're missing out. Mm -hmm. I think what's also really interesting is they have found that there is a lust chemical that has that this, that drives us in, 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 in to dating and keep wanting to date, despite the fact that we keep, you know, that it's painful and it's called PEA. And if I were to say the full name of it, it would, (laughs) yeah. I'm impressed that you could, (laughs) but it's so interesting, but it, it is a biosimilar chemical. That's a, it's a hormone that is similar to methamphetamine. Really? Yes. PEA, the love drug. And so we wonder, and so what comes up for, with my, some of my couples in therapy is like, well, we've, we've, we've lost something. Marriage Mm. is not what I thought it was going to be. I want it to be that, Mm. but that doesn't get replicated. That is only an experience of newness, right? This exotic type of of relationship and relating what you can look forward to in marriage is the buildup of oxytocin. Mm, okay. Build up of something that's more satisfying because you can't stay in it. You can't stay with biochemical meth <laughs> your entire <laughs> life and not have other things go wrong. Right. Right. And it is that, that dating drug that you see where people are like, I can't believe they're so crazy. Right. Yeah. It's like, they can't live without that other person. Well, I think that's God's design for bringing people together. Yeah. That is designed for helping us stay satisfied in our marriages. Oh yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And I tell, I tell my couples a lot that, you know, if it's called intimacy for a reason, Mm. um, it, it, that's a deep knowing, right. And so if you have kind of, um, got to know each other emotionally and, um, relationally and mentally and recreationally, I mean, uh, that's what the dating process is. And if you've kind of postponed knowing each other sexually, that's going to take some time. And so um, just to manage that expectation, I, I find that the couples that really are doing kind of well in this area, you know, um, didn't come in with these preconceived notions that it's just going to be bliss at the beginning. It really does take some time to know one another 
-hmm. and to know your own body and to explore and be adventuresome and curious, which requires a lot of absence of what you just said, shame. Um, but it also requires just an attitude of, you know, uh, openness and in, in conversations around it and about it with right. one another. Right. Right. And unfortunately, with the ideas of what I think with the purity culture and this idealization of let's wait for, right, which mm-hmm which I understand, it also sets up this expectation that is going to be this big, huge thing. Right. Right. And that is something that is developed and created over time with what you're talking about that yet, yada knowing, right. (laughs) Which God's intent for sex and marriage, right. This deep knowing, and that comes over time. Mm -hmm. It's not what Hollywood teaches us. So, yeah. Yeah. So, what could you say to those couples that are out there um, as just a couple of like really good pointers? You say a lot of them can really kind of work through this on their own um, that you find foundational. The things that we we as counselors find ourselves repeating over and over again, if this is not the most satisfying part of the relationship, what, what kind of tips? Mm-hmm. I think the good enough sex idea that's I love like, that. that it doesn't have to be an orgasm. It doesn't have to be intercourse. Right? right. And it is really whatever you two decide for yourselves, mm-hmm. right. In the confines, right. Of your value system. That's right. So, and it, it doesn't, oftentimes people are coming to me saying, well, is this normal? What is right? What is healthy? And there is no such thing as right or normal or healthy. It's what you have designed. Right. Mm -hmm. So this idea that we must have sex three times a week or two times a week, Mm -hmm. what, what is right for the both of you. And Mm -hmm. in that negotiation of frequency, right. You guys are coming together because there is going to be differences. Mm. Yeah. And then I think the knowing of how our female hormones make us less of a driving force of sexual arousal, more of the receptive. I think that normalizes things, especially yes. for who feel like, who think that women should be like them. And so if they're not, then they're saying, well, then there's gotta be something wrong with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think just those two things are, are, are some of this, the easiest and biggest things to just mm-hmm. learn and feel that you're not, you're not abnormal. You're, you're right on track. You are healthy. Cause oftentimes it is just coming to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that, that, you know, um, redefine what negotiation come with a kind of a attitude of curiosity and exploration, not with an end goal in mind and utilizing um, the gift of time. I mean, that it will slowly come over over that period. So I love, I love all of those. So here, here's some, some taboo kind of questions. Um, Here's what I hear a lot, especially in the Christian community. Um, uh, uh, Us wives um, have to not give our husband, our body. We cannot withhold sex. Hmm. Now I'm opening up a can of worms. Well, I think what's missed is the chapters before that chapter that people (laughs) often quote. I don't have my Bible in front of me, but 
the withholding of the body is there's a lot of things that are in our body and it's not just our sexual self, right? right? It's relational, it's spiritual, it's emotional. So giving Mm. our body over is to come when, and if the man is doing everything from what I understand Mm -hmm. that verse is fully sold out to God. Right. He is a man of God. And if he is a man of God, he is loving. Right. He is compassionate and gentle and courageous and all these really wonderful things that would make that giving up of our body, mind, soul and spirit so easy. Yeah. Right. So you have to really look at the order of that verse. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. And that it's a negotiation. Right. Um, Coming with an open mind. I. I'm really tired, um, but I'm open to being persuaded, you know, (laughs) right. Or tonight, you know, what, what if it just is manual stimulation and not intercourse, what Mm -hmm. can we negotiate? Right. Mm -hmm. Or not tonight, honey, but, and I think this is important for wives too. letting him know when he can look forward to it again is super Mm -hmm. important, right? Mm -hmm. Honey, why don't we set aside a time in two days, right? When I know the the housework will be done, when I will be less stressed, I've had a couple of days of, of relaxation, and then I can start thinking and looking forward to it mm-hmm. to build right. up yeah. energy. Yeah. yeah, I like that too. I love that. Any um, other last thoughts that maybe before we close up, I'm, I know this could have gone on for hours and hours and hours. I just wanted to start the process of kind of unpacking um, the permission to begin talking um, in our Christian circles um, amongst ourselves and, and others and, and destigmatize even reaching out for help when necessary. What, what would you want to leave um, this community with? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. Um, I would just say the first is to be able to talk about it with a safe other in the church If you don't have that kind of church community, you need to find Mm -hmm. one because Mm -hmm. that's what God intended the church to be. Mm -hmm. Churches are not a place to hide. They're a place to heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't find that church for whatever reason, do seek out a therapist, do seek out a group, a support group. And there are tons of groups online too. Um, go to a conference, try to meet people, go Mm -hmm. online, But you need to start talking about it because I think you'll find when you realize that you are not abnormal or that your feelings are valid or whatever Mm -hmm. you can get from just talking about sex, you're going to shame lift Mm -hmm. and shame lifting. I heard that this is a great quote, and this is one of my most favorite quotes. Um, Andy Kamiski, who is the founder of Living Waters and Um, who had struggled with his sexual um, attraction for most of his life said this, he said, shame is the raincoat of the soul preventing the Holy spirit from coming in. Mm. So if we have shame around our bodies and something that God is calling good, we're also impacting our relationship with him. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of spiritual awakening and, and growth that can happen when we, we find that safe other and start to talk. And freedom, freedom, right? Freedom of expression, that you are a whole being, mind, soul, and body, you know, that there is freedom in emotional health, 
mental health, sexual health, that you can be free in those Mm -hmm. areas. And that we, even as women, are sexual beings and we can show up feeling sexual and Mm -hmm. sexy, right? Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. It's been a joy to have you, um, Kimberly. I'm going to have you back and we're going to deepen some of these avenues um, about this destigmatization, especially in the Christian realm uh, mm-hmm. of sexual health. And so I hope that you come back and we can talk some more about this. But if people are looking for you, where where can they find you? Yeah. Um, my website is sexualandrelationalhealing.com. Okay. Um, I do have a practice in Tampa and phone number to be reached 414-395. I'm looking at my business card because I never call myself <laughs> 0167. Say one again. Say it again. 414-395-0167. All right. All right. Well, we are so um, privileged and honored to have you on the Love Leading um, podcast with us today. And um, we look forward to having you back. And I always ask one last question, and this is a surprise question. So I always want to leave um, a tidbit of encouragement to my community. Um, What is the one thing that got you and your husband through a dark chapter of your life? The openness of my spiritual community. Mm being transparent and authentic. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love that. So finding that, that place that you can show up and be open and vulnerable and it be received well is what got you guys through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes our time with, um, with you today. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks Shannon for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for listening, Love Leaders. Be sure to check out all our links in the show notes and visit me at shannonrobertscounseling.com. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any others. Until next time, go lead in loving well.